50. So motion suggests itself. Patrick, weigh in on this as your number 48 track. Uh, I think this song is, is one of those like perfect pavement songs that only pavement could pull off. Hey, this is Westy from the Rock and Roll Band Pavement, and you're listening to The Countdown. Hey, it's JD here, back for another episode of our Top 50 Countdown for seminal indie rock band Pavement. Week over week, we're going to count down the 50 essential pavement tracks that you selected with your very own Top 20 ballots. I tabulated the results using complex algebra and an advanced abacus. And all that's left is for us to reveal this week's track. How will your favorite song fare in the rating? You'll need to tune in or whatever the podcast equivalent of tuning in is to find out. Subscribing, I suppose. This week, we're joined by Pavement Superfan David from London, Ontario. So there's that. How are you doing, motherfucker? I am well, and uh, I thank you for including me in this experience to be on the podcast and to uh, discuss some pavement. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. This is great. Uh, just a bit of background. David and I met through the podcast, uh, exchanged emails along the way, and then we actually got to go to the Massey Hall uh, concert here in Toronto, and... Um, David ended up going backstage and saying hi to the gang. So there's that. How was that? That was quite an experience. And it was very chill, which uh, I guess surprised me a little bit until I realized that, you know, that they're they're people. And uh, from my side, they're celebrities. But I mean, once you get to know them, they're people. So they're uh, winding down after a show and they had some family there and they had some friends back there. And uh, so you kind kind of just joined right in in that experience with them. And you kind of seen the different conversations that were going on and uh, again, seeing them kind of coming in and out as well as the friends and family. And that was quite nice. Uh, the ones, the members that I was able to engage with, I, I really appreciated. Uh, to some degree, all five of them I did engage with. Uh, I have to admit that when I saw Stephen Malcolmus, I was a bit starstruck. So yeah. uh, more than the other ones. And, and I was, so for him, I, I squeaked out a hey steve or something like that and um (laughs) gave him like an air pump and that was the extent of it Uh, my longest conversation would have been with steve west and uh, i appreciate the time he gave me there we talked i asked him a couple silly questions and about what a chance eh? oh all of them are terrific and uh, that's the truth um i talked to spiral briefly and uh just kind of talked to him about his recent album um medley attack and how much i enjoyed that and uh, i was one of the few fans that actually yes thank you I was one of the few fans that ordered the hat, bought the hat, his baseball hat. Oh. So he got a kick out of that to meet one of the ones, maybe one of the only ones in Canada who bought it. And so that was <laughs> neat. And then uh, Mark Eibold uh, was a uh, hello. I told him I was a big fan, but didn't have the opportunity to get into any d- deeper than that. Um, and then I saw He's Bob. He's tough to nail down. Yeah. But I mean, he seemed like a genuinely really kind, personable person. So yeah. I-, I fed off of that at the same time. Yeah. Bob gave me a hug, and that was probably the highlight of my evening, And because uh, I had ordered some records from him through Broker's Tip Records, uh, which is not around anymore, unfortunately. But I know! Yeah. What the hell, Bob? I guess it was a lot of work, probably, for a little, you know, little reward, maybe. I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely a lot of work. 
great experience all, all together though. So getting backstage and, and meeting you there in person too was uh was That was really great. cool, right? That was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. I of course had a massive panic attack and couldn't go backstage, but uh but that's life in Hollywood, right? <laughs> yes. That's right with celebrities, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so talk to me a little bit about or a lot of bit about your pavement origin story. Sure. That's uh the Toronto Massey Hall is the last time you saw them, I believe, right? That's correct. So when did you first experience them? I first saw them in concert, uh, for me, I guess, which is quite late uh, in their band history, which would have been in June of 99, um, when I was 18. So uh, this was in Detroit in their Terror Twilight tour. Um, probably the first time I would have had really the chance to experience them, even though the shows are kind of all ages. But uh, when I was younger than that, I just would just a little a little more mousy kind of thing. I would not have went out to big concerts. Um, so that was my opportunity there. But when I first got into the band, it would have been around 93, uh, roughly. So let's say I'm 12 or 13. Um, I was at my friend's house. Uh, he had an older brother who was into a lot of more indie bands, uh, different kind of music, a little bit more non-mainstream. And so uh, he had that CD, uh, sorry, uh, Slanted Enchanted was the CD that he had on. And I remember at the time, uh, we were playing cards or board game or something like that, and just hearing it and really acknowledging that it was really good and noticing that it was it was something different than mainstream, similar to mainstream in some ways. Um, if you take any of the big bands at that time, like you know Pearl Jam and Nirvana and that type of thing, it was similar enough, but it really did kind of stand out. Uh, at the same time, I don't think I was mature enough to really say, I'm going to go home and kind of get into them on my own accord. I just wasn't there and had other things and at that age type of thing, just didn't do it. Uh, also, my, you know, my exposure to music, access to music was limited to radio, uh, buying CDs or cassettes. CDs were expensive. Uh, so I think most of my CDs were purchased through like Columbia House. You'd get the 10 for a dollar. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they stuck to mainly mainstream. So you're going to get Bush and you're going to get Soundgarden and like those types of bands on CDs. And I kind of ran through that gamut quite quickly. And then once the year was done, dropped them. Um, but anyways, fast forward a little bit more after I did kind of mature a bit more uh, with my music tastes and personally as well. Um, and then I did buy Slanted Enchanted. Uh, it was probably my first one I purchased. And then I distinctly do remember, though, buying uh, Wowie Zowie um, at HMV, I believe it was. Bring it home. I can still just remember the experience of listening to that for the first time. And again, Jeez. hearing We Dance right, right out of the gate, uh, I was set. And, and then Rattled by the Rush, I had heard already uh, as a kind of a silly reference, but I remember it being on Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> and uh, they kind of came down a bit on it, which I didn't appreciate at the time, because I really enjoyed the song. Um, Try harder. Yeah. <laughs> but they were like that, right? They would they had their own style of more kind of punk heavy and more kind of heavy, like Metallica kind of thing would be more their jam than something a little bit more deeper, more profound than pavement. So anyways, it is what it is. Uh, but that, but I do remember Wowie Zowie being uh, that just really, really deep experience. It is my favorite album today. I think for a lot of people it is, but um, it's the one that uh, just resonates with me the most. Uh, again, I, uh, my favorite song, Grounded, is on it. Uh, second favorite song, probably being Trigger Cut off Slanted Enchanted. So, I mean, what a that... Great, what a great fucking song Trigger Cut is. It is. And again, yeah. I think I came back to that one more recently when uh, I was at home during COVID lockdown. I was able to work at home, fortunately. But 
uh, with it being at home all the time, I needed to occupy myself. So rediscovering uh, music and discovering new music was kind of the ways that I'd really spend my time, uh, kind of pass a lot of my time. So Trigger Cut was the one that really kind of came back. I'm like, I kind of forgot how good that was. Uh, I know I'm jumping all over the map here a bit with my history, but if I go back a bit to early 90s... uh, There will be no quiz, I hope. (laughs) No, not for me. Uh, (laughs) I do remember... So one of the things, too, is I was kind of growing up and I realized that this music truly was cool. And um, so I did not want to lean into it too much because then it's going to look like I'm almost kind of using it as like a vehicle to make myself look cool type of thing. But uh, I remember whenever I would have it on, the friends were over to kind of be on in the background and just hear the comments of, oh, you know, this is really good. What is the type of thing? And, and just try to introduce them a little bit, expose them a little bit more to the band. And that was a fun experience too. I distinctly remember driving in uh, my parents' 1988 Pontiac Grand Prix with a cassette player. And I had copied the CD to a cassette and a friend being in the car and just going bananas over slanted Enchanted. So I think I copied them a cassette as well, probably for their car, which was probably made in the 80s type of thing. And uh, that's kind of, but it's just also appreciating the fact that how well the, their pavement's music was speaking to a lot of friends at that time who would not have come across it again because heavy radio play, even from Detroit, because I grew up in Windsor, so I mean we had a lot of Detroit radio, but you would not have had bands like that would never go on it. A college radio, yes, but none of the mainstream uh, music stations that would have been those mainstream bands, you know, Smashing Pumpkins and all that type of thing. Rage Against the Machine was quite big in Detroit for some reason. Uh, they got a lot of airplay. Uh, but other bands like this, uh, not so much. But as I did mature again, more into the late 90s, um, I left a lot of the mainstream music, put it off to the side, not that I had anything against it, but I would spend my music interests uh, more, again, Always Pavement was there. Uh, but then I got into bands like Can, for example, uh, Slint, Tortoise, Guided by Voices, uh, more of that kind of indie sound, um, again, with uh, Tortoise and... Uh, Slint, you had David Pajo's uh, signature sound in there. Uh, so any of his bands... I'm not like, familiar with either of those bands. Oh, really? Really, yeah. Yeah. Slint. They only had the well, had two albums, sorry. Um, their original bassist from the first album, Tweez, went on to form the band King Kong, um, also in 89. Um, but then David Pajo uh, went on to form... He, he released a lot of music under his other band name, uh, stage name, Papa M., or Ariel M. Um, most of it is instrumental. Uh, rarely would he put lyrics to it. Um, Slint did have lyrics, but um, he, he was a guitarist uh, under that. Uh, but they, it, they had a very, uh, it was a sound that just really resonated with me. So again, more of that um, type of music would have been heavy my style. Uh, once we kind of broke through the 2000 That's barrier. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool that you found, that you carved out like this you know, pavement helped you carve out this niche, right? Mm-hmm. So you Extremely. could, you could, you could uh, echo chamber sort of, you know, more music from that ilk. That's really cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, not at all. This is the experience here. Uh, but a lot of it does go back to them. And uh, then to kind of find out in recent years that they were influenced by that band, Can, who was a German yeah. um, experimentalist. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a neat experience for me too, just to say that I was in, into the both of them simultaneously, uh, as well as REM would have been my band of choice, let's say in the late 80s. Um, and then to find out that they were also influenced by REM, I thought was cool connection there too. So it's, it's almost like their musical taste, my musical taste really kind Intersect. of Yeah. Which is, yeah. It's a cool factor there. Uh, Bridge 2000s a bit. I remember 
after they broke up, getting uh, Steve Malcolmus's solo CD album, that first one self-titled that he had, uh, that one lived in my car. Once I had a car with a CD player in it, um, that one, I would cycle out CDs, but that one would just live in there constantly. Uh, I don't think I ever took it out. Um, later on, I did. I remember having a gap of time where, because there was no social media or nothing like that, you weren't constantly getting, you know, dinged with updates. So a few years went by and you have other, you know, stuff going on in your life. And I realized that you know, he might have released other albums. So I should check that out. So I got Face the Truth. Um, and then the other one that came out, which I'm drawing a blank on right now. Um, first one he released with... Uh, he did this. Yes, thank you. Um, so I had got those two and listened to them and enjoyed them. And then again, this is around 06, 07, just due to other kind of life things, just kind of got away from music a bit. Uh, to some degree, it might be on the background, but uh, it just kind of went away as one of my focuses until 2015, 2016. Um, and then again, into COVID when, again, when I was at home, I, I went back to say some of these old bands, like uh, the Beta Band, for example. I said, well, you know, there was a lot of members there. It's one of the bands I, I like a lot. Uh, let's see what some of those members are doing now. Uh, they must have had offshoot projects because they're musicians. They broke up in late 2000s. And so let's check that out. So I got into Steve Mason and then I kind of went back into Malcolmus's catalog and then realized that he had released all these albums uh, between 07 to 2017, 18, 2020, or, you know, leading oh, up. Oh, that's to so yeah. great that you got to yeah. enjoy all that. You you got to yeah. binge. It was a, yeah, exactly. It was a fire hose of great music coming, coming at me. So yeah. uh, and then getting into vinyl as well, kind of because uh, my parents were downsizing their house and they were going to be getting rid of their record player. So. I, all I said was, don't throw it out, and when you're ready to to kind of chuck it, I'll take it. And that day, they just said, we'll take it now, because we don't listen to it anymore. So that helped me to get into vinyl as a hobby, and then kind of re-experience music that way, too, by having that different experience of listening to an entire album, where you're, you're not doing the skip thing that you might on CDs or streaming, right. where, you know, yeah, you're getting playlists on uh, Spotify or whatever, that, which I really enjoy, but you also miss out on that other whole album, full album experience. Agreed. Of, I was explaining yeah. this to my father-in-law just last night. It, it was interesting because he was like, ah, you know, he's like, it, it's so much more, uh, you know, it's it's so much more work, you know? And I was like, well, it's, you know, like, yeah, but you're holding this tangible thing in your hand yeah. and somebody made this thing. It's not this ethereal, you know, sort of jetsam that's just floating in the air, you know? Uh, it's really quite interesting to listen to music uh, on, on vinyl, just experientially. Uh, I agree. Forget about the audio quality. What pavement do you have on vinyl? Do you have any? I have Slanted Enchanted. I have Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. I have Wowie Zowie, and I have Terror Twilight. I've not been able to locate Bright in the Corners. Um, and I'm not too like crazy in my vinyl purchasing because they can be expensive. So whatever I come yeah. across that's reasonably priced, I buy. I, I don't go crazy with certain key pressings or rare releases or anything like no, that. No, no, I'm not. Yeah. yeah, I got the... Did you get the Terror Twilight box? I don't. I I order the digital version of that through Bandcamp, but the vinyl is just the the as of the it would have been released at the day kind of a thing. The right, Nigel Godrich, gotcha. not the Nigel Godrich, the Spiral Stairs sequence, I guess version. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, what do you say we get to our song of the week? I'm in. Let's do it. Let's uh, 
take a brief pause and we'll come right back with song number 47. Awesome. Hey, this is Bob Nostanovich from Pavement. Uh, thanks for listening. And now on with a countdown. <laughs> 47. That was Greenlander, and that, of course, comes from the Watery Domestic Sessions that included Sumi Jack and So Stark, You're a Skyscraper. Is there a fucking bad song that they recorded for Watery? Like, like really, there's not, right? It's all so great. Uh, This song, number 47 is the seventh track on the second disc of Lux and Redux, the boxed set of uh, Slanted and Enchanted. 
And uh, I was just made aware that it first appeared, though, in the 90s on a compilation called Volume 4. And the song that we are, of course, talking about, if you haven't put it together yet, number 47, is Greenlander. David from London, Ontario. What do you think of Greenlander? I really like this song. Um, this is one that I only came across, again, uh, not to keep repeating myself, but over the kind of COVID lockdown days, where with my extra time, I was going through some of the more back catalog, uh, some of the extra kind of bonus songs that were not included on the albums when they first got released. Uh, and as well through listening to uh, your podcast and the Pavement Conundrum podcast, uh, they also helped to introduce me to some other songs that I was kind of not aware of. Um, as well as getting the the Westing uh, compilation um, album as well. Uh, but yeah, this song I, I enjoy a lot. And uh, one thing that hit me as well on this one is it has that kind of little more slow, reflective kind of pace to it, vibe to it. It's not a really rock chill, song. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not a jam song. It's not a rock song. It's just it's that 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 uh, that vibe again, like that more slower kind of reflective vibe. Uh, yeah. which I do enjoy. And um, as I was doing a little bit of research for this, I kind of realized that, so this is not going to be original what I'm going to say whatsoever, but it um, easily could have went uh, onto the Watery Domestic EP. Um, this is not me saying this. Maybe it could have been added on. It would have fit. Uh, if they wanted to add on, you know, a couple more tracks on there, it, it would have fit, in my opinion. And others, again, I'm kind of stealing this from the Conundrum folks and probably from yourself as well. Uh, as well as some other uh, online kind of uh, feeds there. But um, one thing I did, as I was doing a little more research, I realized that each one of their albums has a similar song like this on there. Uh, and for, from my interpretation, if you start with Slanted and Enchanted, uh, the song here has kind of a similar vibe. I mean, yeah. it, it takes things down a little bit of a notch. It's it's not in a mouth of desert. It's not conduit for sale. It's it's that It's that deeper slower reflective song and it's uh it, it kind of brings things down and then you can step it up again so i appreciate that style of song on an album um but similarly i mean if i kind of walk through their catalog again um you could also say the similar one would be stop breathing on crooked rain crooked rain uh maybe motion suggests on wowie zowie uh maybe even transport is arranged on bright in the corners um possibly you are the light on terror twilight Maybe more of a stretch on that one, but it could could very well be. Uh, it's definitely steps things down a bit. It slows things down a bit. Uh, even yeah. in Malcolm's solo career, I'm not going to go through all of it, but I mean, a self-titled, you could say Church on White could be similar. Uh, you could say Loud Cloud Crowd on Face the Truth. I'm not going to go through all the rest of them, but I mean, uh, I, <laughs> either his style or their style. But um, Save maybe... it for the bonus feed. <laughs> <laughs> But I appreciate that, uh, them, them doing that and Malcolmus doing that, uh, again, to, to kind of, if you slow things down again, it's good because you don't want every single track to be uh, kind of really loud and really out there and just to kind of relax for a bit. And then when you're making playlists too, uh, or whether you're doing it, Spotify is doing it, but these will then kind of fit into a different uh, genre, a different style than what some of the other songs are going are gonna to be. So um, playlists aside and even just the album straight through aside, just to kind of slow things down for a bit and then pick them up again, just to let yourself kind of breathe a bit, relax a bit, and then kind of step up again. But that's that's really what I take from this song. That's where I'm coming from with this. Yeah, I, I, I can't help but think the song benefits from having Gary in it. Uh, I love Steve West as a yes. human being and as a drummer. I think 
Wesley certainly can drum, but there's something about Gary. And when I listen to this song, it's his interesting style. It's busier than it needs to be, but with the sparse arrangement of the song, I definitely think that his drumming and the little fills fill the space uh, of the song and make it more interesting as a whole. That's, you know, sort of my take on the, on the Gary factor. And really there's just, you know, sort of guitar and, uh, and, and the drums and like, you know, a bass string <laughs> on another guitar. It sounds like, um, I think it's interesting. There's no chorus, yeah. uh, you know, they, there's sort of just a musical lift at the end of every verse that sort of represents a chorus for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also think that in a really rare to, to SM, uh, kind of vibe, the song has a title that relates to the lyrics. Like it seems like it is about a Greenlander, somebody from the land of ice and snow in Greenland. Uh, what do you, what's your take? I, I would agree uh, wholeheartedly with that. And uh, looking at a bit of the interpretations online, um, there's a couple of people that kind of jumped a little bit from here to there talking about possible uh, ancient rituals that it could be reflecting in. But uh, I think more sensible minds might have just kind of chimed in to say that uh, it really does seem to be about uh, lovers in Greenland. Um, there are lyrics here that kind of reflect that that may be, in fact, what they are talking about. Uh, well, kind of taking away from the fact, I mean, they are talking about kind of a love for one another. Uh, and we did, even with this, the uh, the lyric kind of saying that on virgin fields, we'll skate, stand by children, we'll create. Uh, could that be talking about an individual couple? Possibly. Uh, it could be more broader in terms of the whole population or community, possibly. But it does seem to kind of be talking about their kind of experience within that land. Uh, yeah. And then towards the end, it might be talking about uh, kind of with... You know, vice is warm. Uh, it's all that's left. All that's left is vice is torn. Um, could be about relationships unraveling or just reaching their conclusion, type of thing. Uh, that that I'm right. a little uncertain about, but uh, that's what I take from that. Yeah, me. Yeah, that's sort of how I feel as well. Uh, I I definitely think there's there's like romance is afoot. Uh, it, it seems you know in as unromantic a way as you know you can sort of. Um, draw up but it 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 does it 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 works it, it really works and um fuck i i like this song and i wish that watery was a 10 inch and it, it contains so stark and uh sumi jack as well like that's my wish i don't know what we're gonna see when this seven inch box set comes out that spiral was talking about i don't know what that looks like, but I'm excited. Uh, you know, I'm real excited about what the possibilities could be for that. Only time will tell, right? But they haven't Only disappointed so tell. far <laughs> with these actual no. releases. That's true. Like that's yeah, really true. All of them, right? So, where do you think that this song rates as far as where it landed on the countdown? It's number forty-seven on the countdown. Is it ranked just right? Is it ranked too low? Is it ranked too high? What What do you think, David, from London, Ontario? I would say just right. It's definitely a top 50 song, uh, in my opinion. I think it holds that position quite well. Um, due to the fact that um, it is, uh, like that again, that slower pace, uh, it's not quite a hear uh, from Slanted. So um, I have to kind of bring it down a little bit there. Uh, but again, you do have Gary's drumming, like you said. So you got that. Um, 
we'll mix in there as well, which takes up a notch, of course. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I mean, there, there's because pavement as the the way their band is, which is kind of that you know alt rock band. Uh, there's other songs that I think are going to define them better, which should be ahead of this song. And uh, so I think this one fits quite well. It, it could be a, a bit higher for sure. Like uh, if it was even 35 to 47, I think that that would fit just fine. Uh, but not that, not a top 10, uh, right. possibly not a top 20, but um, definitely within a top 50. And I fully agree. Again, 47, sure. I, there's no offense to the song if, if it could be offended no. kind of thing. It's not a B-side even. It, it's like right. uh, it's like a, a, a track that didn't make anything, you know? Like it, it was on a compilation disc, for heaven's sake. Yes. Rediscovered in time now, but yeah, I kind of lost it uh, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Chris from uh, episode 50, uh, track number 50, he uh, had had the actual uh, CD. So that's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. Any of that anyway, stuff. David, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today about Pavement and track number 47, Greenlander. Uh, is there any, uh, pluggery that you need to do, or is there any place that people can find you online that you want them to find you online? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am on Twitter at, um, just, uh, D D R and then my last name T S S I E R. Um, I kind of repost uh, some musical threads. Otherwise I don't do much independently cause I don't create music independently. I just consume it. Um, and try and pass around any good uh, new bands or tracks or songs that I come across. Uh, that's the only way I can contribute that way. Um, I, I do love kind of discovering kind of new bands from any decade that uh, really speaks to me. And if I enjoy it, then I will uh, share it. Uh, I've created my own uh, two, uh, sorry, four different 50-track um, Spotify playlists of a bit of kind of random music um, that I've gotten from, again, many different locations, uh, the majority of which is probably uh, Bob's podcast, the three-song pod. Yeah, podcast. I missed that. Yeah, so do I. But I mean, they did 178, maybe, around there. So I've gone, I've gone backwards and uh, rediscovering them. I'm back to about episode 100 now. Uh, so I've not heard the first 100, but I've heard the last 78. And uh, from there, there, if you do kind of listen to some on Spotify, you'll, you'll get recommendations for other ones, uh, similar ones. And so I'll listen to them if I really like them. I'll add them to my own playlist or some of these, like I said, these four playlists that I put together of just songs that I can then share. Because as I talk to music, uh, about music with other people, friends from work or family, cousins, whatever, they'll say, what kind of stuff do you listen to? And I can just say, well, here, I'll, I'll DM you a one of my playlists I put together and this is what I like. If you don't like any of it, no offense taken, because I fully of the mind that music is very personable. It's uh, very subjective, and I would never take offense to any music that someone else does not like, or that they really do like. If they like music, I appreciate that. If they don't, I can understand that too. Um, but that's kind of what I do. So on Twitter, uh, if you do want to look me up, I think I have put those playlists on there, accessible, uh, fully public on Spotify. Cool. Well, thank you again so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again. And uh, keep up the good work. Same with me. Loved it. Great time. Awesome. Wash your goddamn hands. Thanks for listening to Meeting Malcolmus, a pavement podcast, where we count down the top 50 pavement tracks, as selected by you. 
If you've got questions or concerns, please shoot me an email, jd at meetingmalchemist.com. Podcasts and such. <laughs>